Some said they couldn't do it. Even more said they probably shouldn't. But here they are, bringing you another episode of the Happy Zen Podcast. Welcome your hosts, Adam and Matt. Okay, welcome back to the Happy Zen Podcast. We have a very special returning guest to the show. You may know him as the designer of the hit tabletop game series, Drinking Quest. He's also a rapper, a crowdfunding guru, a Lord of the Rings super fan, and has the biggest biceps at any convention he ever goes to. He currently has a new game on Kickstarter that funded in just over five hours called Your Friend is Sad. Please welcome back to the show, Jason Anarchy. Yeah, Hello, it's a live Jason. studio audience. Woo. Yay! Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming back, man. Yeah. Uh, right off the bat, we talked about this at the beginning of the year, which seems like, I don't know, a decade at this point. Uh, of this uh, year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of this year, of 2020, the year that lasted a decade. Uh, you were kind enough to uh, invite me along with you to Pack South, and I just want to officially... On the record, thank you for that because that was that was something else. That was seeing a little bit behind the curtain, and it was very much felt like being a roadie uh, following a band around. There was a lot of that. Oh man, I, I you know I worked so many conventions, or at least you know in the old days um, before uh, social distancing. The before times, but, but it's like if you can get friends to come along, it always makes things uh, a lot better. So no, I really appreciate that. That was a blast. Yeah, that. Um, I mean, you know, the staying at the hotel thing, you know, you kind of expect that. But just, like just the being at the hotel, if you've never been to like a PAX or a gaming convention, if you stay at the hotels where most of the people are staying, it's a very interesting vibe where, you know, the whole hotel is there for the same reason. And we had uh, we were playing quite a few nights in the lobby uh, board games and you just see people come up chime in, come over and talk. Uh, I want to talk to Jason. And uh, I also met uh, Jason uh, Poland, who lives in, is he in Houston? I think he's Houston, yeah. Houston, yeah. So he's down uh, He's down that way. Uh, he's the uh, creator behind my dad is Dracula, which you should check out because it's amazing. Uh, and he was he was awesome. And yeah, man, we, we sold a lot of games. Your game, I was, I mean, I knew I knew what your games were like. I knew how much I enjoyed them and and I knew they had a following. But man, to see the people come up and, and a lot of repeat people coming back because they seem to know that, you know, if it's got your name on it, it's something that they're they're probably going to want to check out. So anyways, yeah, that was that. I just want to say that was uh, it was an awesome trip and it might be the last trip I go on at this point, <laughs> but it was uh, it was great. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely had a blast too. That uh, that was definitely one of my uh, one of my better shows, um, and and some of my fondest travel memories uh, recently. It's uh, uh, yeah, no, I do about twenty shows a year, and I think that's my second biggest. Um, so maybe 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 that or Gen Con, um, but it's like definitely the PAX crowd is like the the crowd that uh, really tends to get my games, uh, which are you know on the casual side, uh, but they're always funny. So that's kind of the the mission statement there and um you know the 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 logical problem of okay you know i've got i've got a pretty lean operation on this guy that works out of my basement um but you know i make these funny games that you know do move at these conventions um and that particular convention was um and, and you know th this is interesting because of the the business end of it uh, but it's like yeah i'm just one random just you know just dude that uh, that travels and that was the first time you know i traveled anywhere with you 
Uh, and I had never met Jason Poland before ever. And uh, we only knew each other from Twitter and we had some mutual friends. Um, but we all met up. We stayed in a hotel together for, I don't know, four nights or something crazy. And we all got along famously. And it was an absolute blast. And from my end, it's like, okay, I don't want to be the only body at this booth. So it's helpful to have a few people along. They don't need to know anything. Um, but it's like, you know, I hope you guys had a fun experience, you know, just, you know, seeing how all of that worked. Um, and, you know, like after hours, you know, we went out and we drank and we did all kinds of stuff. And uh, uh, not, not Jason as much. He, uh, he, he very, um, uh, he uh, stopped drinking recently and he was uh, not only awesome about it, but provided all these uh, exciting uh, non-alcoholic drinks that we could drink too and not feel bad about it. Um, so it's uh, it, normally that would be more of a booze field weekend for me, um, but it, it's probably good that I've got people uh, deterring me from that at this point. So uh, it was good on a lot of levels. So he was a great, uh, he, he was a good tour guest too. He 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 showed us around quite a bit. It was uh, yeah, he was he's awesome. I still talk to him on Twitter all the time. So yeah, yeah, and, and great taste in shirts. I uh, tagged him on Facebook recently. Uh, he's one of those people that can get away with these really cool like. I don't want to say Weird Al shirts, but like maybe like a level cooler than that. Uh, you know, you get like a really crazy patterned shirt, and he's one of those people that can really pull that off. So we should probably address the elephant in the room, which is obviously we are uh, in uh, a worldwide pandemic, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so besides the obvious with, you know, conventions not really happening, we just had uh, Fan Expo Canada finally uh, officially confirmed that they were not happening uh, proper this year. How are, well, A, A, how are you holding up during the pandemic? And then B, are you, are you finding any benefits to this or is it completely a hindrance and it's, it's making things just only worse for you? I, I assume it's the same across the board. Store sales basically stopped for a couple of months because no stores are open. So I, it can't be a situation where it was just me. So I'm assuming everybody yeah. was having that same problem. Uh, and then conventions also stopped. So like, uh, like two of the main sales streams just completely shut down. Um, but online is up. Not so much where it's making up for the other stuff. Uh, me personally, I'm, I'm doing okay with it. Um, but I can see how this would kill some companies, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty heavy time and, and weird too, because, uh, like I do a lot of like online stuff and it's like my online persona is, you know, I'm this, you know, toxic, you know, masculine guy that's always talking about his biceps and, you know, it's, it's a comedy persona, uh, which I haven't really been following through with lately. It's just not the right climate for it. Mm-hmm. Like I've still been promoting the comedy work that I'm doing, but it's like, I just can't go on there and be such a dumbass every day, you know, which which is usually pretty fun for me, but it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of serious stuff happening um, and it's, it's tricky. So it's like, I, I basically decided it's like, okay, well, it's just basically going to be this bipolar mix of the two things. It's like, I'm going to come on and, you know, support the serious stuff. Um, but then also, you know, the, you know, life goes on. I'm still doing my day job. It's like, here's the funny stuff I'm coming out with. Um, and I, I basically, I personally think that's okay because I'm seeing what, uh, my friends and web comics are doing, and it's like you know, if you're doing a web comic, um, you know, you've got you know three weekly updates that you have to do, kind of thing. And it's like the people who are still making those comics and coming out with that new content, it's like there is so much toxic stuff online. I'm so mm-hmm. thankful for those people that are giving me a reason to kind of have a have a breath from that every day. 
Um, so it's like, you know, with tabletop games, it's like, okay, you release one or two a year, but it's like, okay, someone's excited about this new Kickstarter I'm doing. They're laughing at the jokes. They think it's a funny idea. Um, and you know, they can give them a break for that from that. It's like, okay, well, well, that's okay. Um, but, but it's tricky. A lot of people don't know how to deal with this because it's all absolutely unprecedented. For sure. I was going to say it's, and it's ever changing, right? Like every, every time we think something's going to be one way or another, for example, you com- you commented about uh, online sales. You know, for a few weeks there, you could look everywhere across social media, and it was all about engaging on you know with your your whoever you're in uh, quarantine with. You know, break out the board games, break out the things to do something different. And I almost expected you to tell us that there was a massive uptake uh, coming across, but you know, you're you're sharing with us that there's there's multiple facets to how your product and how the games, you know, make their way to people's homes. And, you know, it, it's everyone is going to be infected in one way or another. There's a, a common misunderstanding that if you have something that's web-based, that you're just going to instantly be successful during this time. And I, I think that's, uh, maybe you can agree that they're, I think, talking to the side of their mouth a little bit about stuff they don't understand. Yeah, like, if your whole business model is online, like, maybe that wouldn't be bad, you know, in general. But it's like, with tabletop games, with physical card games, it's like, yeah, I think you've got like your three pillars there, which are stores, conventions, and online. If there's one I'm missing, I don't know, I should probably explore it. But yeah, it's uh, if you're someone that just sells stuff online, it's probably not the worst time for you. But uh, no, everyone, even if you have a business that's not suffering, it's a terrible year for everyone. Um, and, and I and I think, um, I, I don't know, like like my strength has always been you know, this lighthearted kind of, you know, blissful idiot kind of attitude that I can kind of, uh, you know, fall into when I need to. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been tricky to do that. But it's, uh, you know, it's in the sense of, you know, should I continue doing this? Um, but it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm trapped at home with my wife and kids every day. Everyone's isolated. And it's like, um, you know, I'm a position where I can do it. It's like, you know, I, I, I don't have to think about whether I go out and start protesting or anything like that. Um, you know, because it's like, well, I've got kids here kind of thing. Right. So it's like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And, um, the Kickstarter that I'm running too, you know, it's a funny concept, but people are into it and, you know, it's doing well. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to make sure they get a, a good game. And if in the middle of all this stuff, you know, uh, but by the, another interesting thing too, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. It's like, by the time this game is printed and is released, that's interesting. No one knows what's going to happen there. Like I'm, I'm very confident I can get the games out to people but when they get it is it still going to be a situation where there's going to be isolation march of next year who knows um you know are they going to be playing this with people that they're isolated with um are things going to be worse are things going to be better um so that's kind of tricky too it's uh, and i think the uncertainty is what's uh you know a large part of what's so difficult about this with everyone so but the thing i do like about it there's one common thing is that everyone's kind of suffering together so it's like we're all, you know, physically apart, but we're all going through the same thing. And it's like globally, we can all look back and be like, wow, 2020, that was the year that everything was really fucked. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can look back and be like, ah, so you know, there was also some meaningful change, you know, that uh, that, that would be good, too. So uh, we're all watching it unravel in real time. So out of curiosity, you're you're working with a Kickstarter right now. You're getting getting a new game out amid all of this craziness. Have you done anything different or have you approached any, uh, this process differently this time because of what, you know, where we are? I mean, you commented about not knowing where it's going to be next year. 
have you modified anything thinking about maybe releasing a game that might be released exactly in the climate that we're in right now? Has that changed anything or? Yeah, um, probably a couple things. Um, our original launch date was like, it ended up being the Black Lives Matter day where it was like, you know, don't post anything on the internet. That was our original launch day. So we're like, okay, let's not launch on this day. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up launching, I don't know, about a week after. And the the theory was, ah, it's not a good time. And it's like, but there was also a thread where it was like, well, you know, things kind of have been getting worse pretty consistently for the last three and a half years. I don't know if there's a specific event we can trace that back to or not. Maybe, maybe around. Anyway, no, it's uh, the uh, there's a there's a certain leadership that's happening right now that's kind of been almost purposely making everything extra crazy every day. So sure, uh, sounds familiar. Yeah. So, we're, so we're like, do we wait till things get better? And it's like, well, nothing's really been normal for a long time. And uh, it's just kind of like, well, fuck it. Let's just do it. See what happens. Uh, you know, it's, you know, the businesses continue to operate, right? You know, the, the game was was basically done and, you know, we had everything planned and everything. So um, there's no guarantee that anything will be better if we wait. And, you know, it's just as likely it could be worse. Um, so from a tabletop uh, card game business perspective, that was kind of how we looked at that when we launched. And the other aspect of how it's different um is the the black lives matter movement so um so for this game your friend is sad um you know it, it, everything's gonna be really heavy with this podcasting and tell right. so it's a game about sadness so oh. it's accidentally relevant this year oh so yeah. the game had already existed for some time and we had planned to do it and it's a game where you're trying to cheer up a sad friend so it's uh me and shen from shen comics this is a game you know we've been working on for a while um so this game where you're trying to cheer up a sad friend uh, you know, we're going to have this huge list of probably 30 plus webcomic guests that are also contributing guest cards. Um, and this is a model I've done before in Kickstarter and it, it works really well. Um, so they're all drawing, you know, different cards about cheering up a sad friend or, or, uh, or life beating the crap out of you. That's the other type of card. Um, Shed's got this big purple buff character named Life that's uh, always trying to make you miserable. Uh, anyway, so in that guest list. Um, I already had a pretty diverse group plan, and it's like, okay, in my mind, I'm like, okay, male and female. It's like, okay, we've got, uh, you know, a bunch of non-white people. We've got, uh, you know, I don't want to out anybody, but it's like, okay, there's, you know, I don't want to use anyone as a prop, but there's like, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, people that aren't, you know, cisgendered kind of thing. Um, but then the Black Lives Matter movement, it's like, okay, yeah, I did not have any black cartoonists planned. And basically just because they weren't on my radar as, you know, a non-black person. So I went out of my way to, you know, I did a few calls for, you know, black cartoonists and people with gag strips. Uh, that's kind of, you know, people who have web comics is kind of the common thread with these guests. Um, and, you know, so far so good with that. It's like, you know, I've met some really awesome, talented people that uh, I definitely like to work with in the future. Uh, and I have their artwork for the game already. And that's like, okay, this is good. So it's like, th these aren't huge recurring paying gigs or anything but it's like okay here's a one-time payment you have to be part of this uh you know uh big kind of sphere of you know webcomic guests kind of thing and it's like okay so you know it, it adds people into the circle kind of thing so uh so for my part that's how i dealt with it in terms of this kickstarter um but in terms of doing things differently it's like th there's always one common thing with every kickstarter and maybe that's common with every kind of you know big project that anyone launches is that you need a good plan, but you also need to be able to deviate from that plan on a whim because nothing will ever go according to your plan. 
if things go according to your plan, great. It just never happens. That's all. So, so. has anything gone according to your plan? I feel like there's been some massive wrenches, obviously, thrown at this plan. Uh, sure. And and is there any resemblance of the original plan? Oh, sure. Like the plan's working well enough. It's like you know we got funded. You know it's doing well. Um, you know would it have done well in different circumstances oh who knows you know it's like I, I don't spend any time second guessing myself or beating myself up about it it's like you know lo looking forward is is always the the strategy there so um you know it's uh you know yeah it, it's been going well and um you know we we've got 21 stretch goals unlocked i think already so you know you can say very well um and it's uh I'm not sure if a game about sadness is doing better in 2020 than it would have done in in a different year. It's uh, I, I I just I, I sound confident about a lot of things, but at the end of the day, I just don't know most of these things that we're talking about. It's like I can attribute to the success to you know this and that, but it's uh, you know I, I just try and make a, a game that I think people will have fun playing, and that is also really funny. And then then this one, you know, I'm not saying it'll help people that are sad. But it's like if you're the type of person that, you know, humor is a coping mechanism, you know, when you're feeling sad, it's like, OK, it might be something that you could relate to. Um, but I'm not making any claim that will make people happy or anything like that. It Fictionally, in game, there's a character that's trying to cheer up another character. That's it. So. So, I mean, we kind of touched on a, a little bit. Um, can you kind of give us a rundown of, you know, what sort of game this is and maybe just the elevator pitch of the game itself? Yeah, sure. So it's uh, it's kind of like a simple matching game. Um, so you uh, uh, you're trying to cheer up a sad friend, and you're you're playing brain cards. So you're 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 trying to mess around with that uh, that friend's brain. So the brain is just a combination of unrelated uh, feelings, uh, and also a mix of colorful brain goops, uh, because everyone knows that's how how brains work. So. Uh, yeah. And it's it, it they might as well work that way, considering <laughs> how people understand them. When, when you're feeling sad, it's like, you know, people will go their whole lives trying to figure out, ah, why, why is this me kind of thing? Um, so Too it, much goop. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and I thought brain goops were funny. You know, if you don't know what's going on in your brain, you're like, yeah, it's just a bunch of brain goops. Uh, was that a Ghostbusters 2 glass you just drank out of? Sorry, we got video going on here, too. Is that? <laughs> oh, my God. I remember those from the early 90s. Holy. Yeah. Look, yeah, yeah, got, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Sorry, yeah, I just got really distracted there. <laughs> that uh, I think I had that same one. Oh, man, like 30 years ago. shining lights over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, this is great. Um, anyway, yeah. So it, um, it it's a fun game because it's like, okay, you know, it's everyone's sad is kind of the conceit. And if you got serious problems with depression, this is probably not the game for you. Um, but it, it normalizes the conversation about, you know, everyone does feel sad sometimes, um, just trying to cheer someone up, you know, work, you know, maybe sometimes it does definitely not all the time. Um, but the, the, there's kind of like the sweetness of the game where it's like, you know, you are trying to do that. Um, and so from there, there's a lot of humor. So there's, uh, there's the brain cards where you have your brain goops and your feelings. You have cheer up cards, which features kind of like a nondescript friend trying to cheer up the sad friend in funny ways. So one friend is always super enthusiastic trying to cheer up the other, and the other one's just always sad. So these cards, using that template, are pretty funny, and uh, or at least trying to be. Uh, but then the other type of cards feature uh, Shen's character, Life, big purple buff dude. It says Life across, across his chest. Um, you know, if you've been on the internet, you might have seen this character more than once. And, uh, and he's just the worst. He, life sucks, and he's always trying to make the friend more sad. Um, so you got those three different types of cards. 
and it's like a it's like a symbol matching game. It's about twenty minutes to play. Uh, you know, there's some take that mechanics. Uh, you know, for the board game geeks out there. But uh, in my mind, um, I, I try not to describe a game as uh, designers and publishers tend to describe them. So when I see games described online, it's for the hardcore gamer. It's like, ah, it's got this type of mechanic and this type of mechanic. And it's a crunchy midweight Euro game kind of thing. And it's like, I usually just make games for people that are just dumb idiots that play tabletop games, like myself and my group of friends. And it's like, when we try and play a game, it's like, okay, you know, anything that's even remotely complex, it's like, we will not learn and play in the same night. Um, So I try and make games for people that want to play a game, but also hang out with their friends just as much in the same night. And hopefully by the time this game comes out, people will be back to doing that. Uh, And we'll have some online options as well, uh, just in case we can't do that. Yeah, I I mean, I will definitely say, uh, whereas I have games where I need to watch multiple YouTube videos before I even look at the manual, your games don't necessarily fall into that category. Uh, I mean, you'll have, I've seen, you've had some tutorial videos, but they're brief and really you could have got the same just from the, uh, the the little instruction booklet so yeah it's it's nice to not have to prepare a day in advance to play a game which is something i've had to do yeah and, and i've had games you know i don't want to name drop anything imperial salt but it's um i've had games that i was really excited to play uh that i had multiple rule books and i've spent like i don't know 15 hours reading rule books and then i get the group together and it's like, I don't totally understand it. People lose interest. And it's like, you know, this $100 game that I paid for, it's like, okay, I'm not happy with this. Yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, so I try and avoid those situations. So Now, you mentioned, uh, and I think this is the first time that you've done this, that you may be looking at like an online option for this game of some sort. Yeah, we've got it on um, Tabletop Simulator. Um, and that's... Um, I don't know, my, my, my commander Riker, um, had suggested that, you know, you should have a, uh, a tabletop simulator version. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not familiar with that, you know, therefore, you know, we don't need to do that, but he just went up and made it and we played online. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is pretty good. Um, so we, we've got a version of tabletop simulator that I think we're going to make available to people on the Kickstarter, uh, for playtesting purposes, because there's like the basic tier, but then every other advanced tier after that, you know, you have the option of being, a like a credited playtester in the rulebook. So uh, I've never done anything like this before, but it's kind of neat. And with playtesting, you want as much feedback as possible. Um, but I've never had the uh, the resources to uh, to run like an official kind of, you know, online version and PDF and follow up with it. Um, so I've got more people helping me with this Kickstarter than before. So it's uh, uh, it'll, be, it'll be neat to see how it plays out. So in theory, this will be the most playtested game I've ever released. Um, and mechanically, too, uh, Shen and I, we had gone back and forth with a few different kind of ideas for the game. But in the end, we just kind of ended up saying, uh, you know, eh, fuck it, we're just going to reskin this other game that I did called Newfoundland Jam, uh, which is which is probably my personal favorite game that I've released so far. Um, but Shen was also a fan. And um, and so we we're just going back and forth with ideas. And um, we're just like, well, how about we kind of evolve this engine? And then it kind of took off from there. Um, because we definitely had kind of comedy beats that we wanted to meet and we didn't want it to be anything too complex. Um, and then Newfoundland Jam kind of, kind of fit that template. So that was kind of a smaller run game. Um, because you know, it's, uh, you know, making jam in Newfoundland, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that's a bit of a niche idea. 
for a game. Um, so we're like, okay, well, more people feel sad than make jam in Newfoundland, so maybe we can take the small run kind of game concept, you know, evolve it a little bit, and you know, make it bigger and better. So that was kind of the uh, philosophy from there. Yeah, I think Newfoundland Jam was the only section in the Newfoundland uh, section of the board game store last time I was there, but I could be wrong. Well, you did see it in a board game store when you were there. No, I didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, I have I have purchased that game in the past, and I have gifted it to somebody, and they thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, and awesome. they were born. They they had been born in Newfoundland, so maybe they're a little biased, but you know. Yeah, my uh, my my. Uh... Friend Galen that uh, that works with me, he um, he says that at conventions, it's not people from Newfoundland that buy it, but Newfoundland adjacent people. So it's like they know someone from Newfoundland. They're like, oh hey, I got to get you this game, and I'm like, oh okay, sure, hey whatever works. You know, I, I think it's I think it's uh, you know it, it's colorful, it's charming, and it depicts Newfoundland in a a non stereotypical way. So it was uh, it was based on a story my mom told me when I was like eight about making jam back home in Newfoundland. I thought that was kind of a wholesome kind of, uh, you know, theme I could put on the game. So it was kind of what me as a Southern Ontario born uh, person raised by Newfoundlanders kind of views Newfoundland. Uh, but I, I didn't want it to be too wholesome because I'm not really known for that. So I, I threw in a bunch of cuss words that my mom would shout when she was angry as a kid, too. You know, so it also comes with the, the Lord Tundra and Jesus expansion pack. So it's got a lot of, uh, you know, it's it, it's. It's basically kid friendly, but yeah, it's technically fourteen plus because I insisted on throwing a bunch of uh, arbitrary cuss words into there. So, That's but the attach rate is very high. The feedback has been very good, um, and uh, I was like, okay, well, there's there's more places I can go with this gameplay. So um, we've got jam and we've got sadness. So then they're all kind of you know sit around and hang out with your friends kind of games. Well, I, I gotta ask. I mean, since twenty twenty wasn't the the tipping point of the idea for your friend is sad. What, what possibly lit that fire? Like what made that the theme of the game? This wasn't the direct starting point, but I'll leave this with a story. This is a great true story. So I'm, it was, uh, I was working at con in Kansas city and it was a big web comic showcase. Uh, now I've done web comics and none of them were particularly good or popular, but I, I was sitting next to Shen, uh, at this show. Um, and, you know, I was selling my games. He was, you know, signing comics and stuff like that. And um, so who walks up to the table but Will Wheaton himself? And he walks up to Shen and he's like, oh, I, I love your comics. And I, I really love how you tackle depression in, in an easy to absorb way. You know, he's just, uh, you know, saying a lot of these complimentary things about how he handles depression in comics. And then Shen is like, oh, would you like a signed print? And he's like, oh, sure. He's like, who should I make it out to? And he's like, Will with one L. And then Shen just goes, oh, like Will Wheaton. Oh, <laughs> just completely not realizing who it was. And so at that point, me and, you know, some of his handlers in the area were just kind of like, oh, hey, dude, you know, trying to nudge him a little bit. And, you know, eventually we all figured it out and, you know, we we're taking pictures and stuff and it was a good time. But that was that was such a great moment. So it's like uh, so Shen has already um, he, he does comics that kind of handle, uh, you know, sadness and depression and uh, in a in a. a an easy to absorb way that's not intimidating or preachy or, you know, they, they don't make you feel sad. They make you feel better, um, even though they are about sadness. So um, so he was already good at that. Uh, the last concept we were working on before it turned into sadness was um, we, we had this concept called Shen's brain where we were just we we're inside like Shen's brain, which could have been a proxy for anyone's brain. 
And it was just, you know, inside your brain is just garbage and randomness and just uh, just a whole bunch of crap that we could, you know, write funny cards with. Uh, but then Chen was basically like, okay, well, I kind of want more of like a unified theme. So we were just throwing around ideas and, you know, situations. And I think I said the words, your friend is sad. But then Chen kind of jumped on that as being something that was good. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe we can work with that. And then so the prompt just turned into the title of the game. And then here we are now with, uh, with what we have on Kickstarter. I don't know if Will Wheaton approves yet. We'll send him a copy if he wants one. I, I hope he does like the game. Um, I don't think he's as active on Twitter as he used to be. But uh, if, if shows happen again and I see him at one, I would happily give him a copy of the game. Yeah, that'd be some great publicity for sure. Now, um, so you mentioned with the Newfoundland Jam, it was kind of kid-friendly. Uh, what's the target audience for this one? Is it at more adult-themed, or is it also kind of all ages? Or uh, but Both this and Newfoundland Jam are 14+, plus, and it's basically like... Um... Uh, on one hand, it's like, you know, I'm not ready to make the leap to family-friendly games quite yet because it's like... Um, I'm known for making kind of edgelord games that, you know, aren't too edgelord or aren't too edgelordy, like Drinking Quest. So, you know, it's half drinking game, it's half tabletop RPG, but it's nowhere near as raunchy as everyone expects it to be. So I always kind of want to have like real actual themes and like, you know, positive moments that are unexpected in games. Um, and so it's like, you know, Drinking Quest is 18 plus because, you know, you may be drinking while you play it. Um, you know, you, you don't need to be, but... Uh, everything else I've done, I think, has been 14 plus, except for Neckbeard, which I published but didn't design. I discovered that game on Reddit, and that's just a game that kind of, uh, you know, personifies the whole neckbeard phenomenon. And I'm looking at both of you guys right now, and you know, on the video, and you guys have beards. So I'm not saying you're neckbeards. I uh, yeah, I that's uh, that's a time we got to go. Uh, no. Yeah, uh, that's why I have a game that that, that attacks them. So. But, you know, a neckbeard is, you know, someone that, you know, is a male with horrible social skills that is always saying, well, actually, and, you know, um, you know, just uh, just being pretty awful to people. So we, we kind of attack people with poor social skills in that game a little bit. Um, people with poor social skills that are also very um, uh, overt in, in how they push their opinions on people. Let's let's go with that for a definition. Of neckbeard. Oh, my God. And don't have a podcast and aren't <laughs> us. I was going to say that. Feels you guys like, are great. I'm not calling you guys neckbeards. That's, I just feel like uh, my recent foray into online gaming, I now have a new title to give everyone that I run into. <laughs> Ultimate neckbeards, 666. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, actually, I think I do need to change my user ID because that would be really fun now. <laughs> Uh, so just wrapping up with, uh, your friend is sad. Where can, I mean, obviously it's on Kickstarter. They just search for your friend is sad. If they want to support the game, get a copy of the game, uh, see what's available. I presume. Yeah. Uh, your friend is sad.com links right to the Kickstarter. Um, if the Kickstarter isn't active, there'll be some kind of pre-order option. Um, I always set that up right away. Um, either a link to the Jason Anarchy game site or the pledge manager. And then, uh, there'll be a way to pre-order it. And make sure you have it on day one from there. Um, you'll get all the Kickstarter bonuses. And, um, you know, it's usually at a discount before it's actually released. So let's try and make it, uh, you know, worth everyone's while to back it ahead of time. I got, I got a question for you, Jason. With um, trying to navigate the world of cons right now, and, and some innovative things are coming out, right? They're, they're definitely trying to do this online environment to, to share these world of cons. 
Have you seen anything in your space uh, start to pop up that you might take part in or has been approached to you around the idea of, you know, engaging in this new environment for the, for the interim anyways? Um, I haven't participated in any yet because I think technically the only cons I've missed are Anime North and Burning Cat. Um, and I don't think they've had an online option. And if they do, it hasn't happened yet. Um, actually, what month is it? Oh man, I'm so confused. Uh, but I think I'm technically doing something for Gen Con, but I'm waiting for someone else to kind of direct me with, uh, with what I'm supposed to be doing there. Um, so I know Gen Con's doing some kind of virtual con fan expo, I think is having like a smaller physical con a few months after, um, and me personally, it's like, yes, I've been isolating. Yes. I'm taking all the precautions when cons start happening again, I will likely go to those and just quarantine for two weeks after, um, you know, assuming things are better, not worse than they are now. I think Ontario is, is doing pretty well, all things considered. Yeah. Um, but again, you don't want to get too cocky and just have everything start up again. Um, you know, I don't want to point any blame to, uh, you know, and anybody that might have, uh, you know, some say in how these things work, but there are certain states that were like, yeah, let's just open up. Who cares? And uh, they're just having record setting increases. So, you know, that's sad to see, but it was also kind of, you know, obvious to see how that would play out. So um, this, 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 uh, this virus is very good at reproducing very quickly and it doesn't care what your political opinions are, which is, uh, no, no. Yeah. You know, there there is concern that, that, you know, some countries like Brazil are fighting for a title. And I just feel like there's a combative nature some other countries that they just need to win. And I just, yeah. maybe that's what's happening. They, they um, just have to be, they can't let Brazil, you know, be the best at this. They need to yeah. be better. Yeah. You know? they, Again, they, they, not naming any games, but it's yeah. like, yeah. Mission accomplished. Yep. But I, I did see a great one. Yeah. You follow the Daily Show, uh, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, Trevor shared a post today about there's a little illustration showing how the U.S. has flattened their curve. Very entertaining. If you haven't followed, go follow The Daily Show and just have a look at that. It was uh, whatever today is, the 25th of June. Did they just change the graph? Like how? No, it just showed how the graph dipped down and has come back up and passed. So he drew a line where the curve was oh. flat. <laughs> so okay. oh. it looks like they flattened and now they just excel okay. past that flattening. So yeah. very, very entertaining image. It was... Um, it's great. It's certainly getting the rounds today. So you might have already seen it by the time this comes out. And uh, if not, it's probably going to look like a whole different shape, like the Swiss Alps, when uh, when this podcast probably goes out. So, well, we right. we have a guest, so I'm going to try to get this out in a relatively you know rapid fashion. Sure. Unlike sometimes, no pressure. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, yeah. Uh, He's the one that actually has to go to work. I'm still working from home, much yeah. probably like yourself. So everything is just inside my home, and unfortunately, Matt does have to venture out into the 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 wild uh, spaces and you know keep himself safe but uh... yes, so far so good but that actually leads me to my next question uh, when I was traveling with Jason the one thing I noticed and I, I think I mentioned this to uh, you as well Adam Jason's always not always but mostly always working like there anytime there's downtime I've never seen somebody has constantly on the go different ideas. I watched you sketch out game ideas, just bang them out. You had a notepad, you had the computer you were going. You were constantly back and forth with people. So I guess my question is, when you do have downtime, what do you... I mean, you hear right now, everyone's like, oh, I'm binge watching all these shows or I'm 
you know, playing all these games because I've got all this free time. I don't necessarily see that myself. And I, I can't imagine you have that much extra free time because you work as much as I said. But what are you doing on your uh, your downtime to try to unwind to de-stress in these stressful times? Oh, um, I'm very slowly and systematically going through every episode of Deep Space Nine for the first time. <laughs> I've never gone all the way through and I've never watched the later seasons and I just hear it's the best. And I'm almost on season four right now. And it's like, okay, yeah, there is a big jump in quality there. Um, and it's like, because I, I just, over the years, I've, just, I've heard so many people say that, you know, it is the best Star Trek. And it's like, oh, better than Next Generation? And Ooh. so I am a, I, I am a Star Trek geek. I love that stuff. So I'm very slowly going through Deep Space Nine. And uh, I'm also, uh, when I want to play a video game, it's, it's back and forth between Slay the Spire, which is w- one of my absolute favorite games of the last several years, which is kind of half tabletop game. It's like a card game, kind of roguelike dungeon crawler. Um, but it's just every time I play, it's a new random setup, and it's just really addictive. And that's influencing some things I want to do with games and designing, too. Um, so that Slay the Spire, I'm a mega fan of. I love that. Uh, but I also picked up Last of Us 2 recently, and I'm like maybe six hours into that. Uh, most of that was the first night, but it's like that is uh, that, that that is just an incredible game in terms of storytelling, uh, like, yes, it's great in terms of storytelling for video games, but it's like, you know, any medium wishes they could do what this game is doing. And, you know, it's, it's a huge team of hundreds of people making all this happening, uh, making all this happen. But it's like, it's such a great game and it's something for people to do in this pandemic. But it's also like accidentally relevant, kind of like your friend is sad. It's like, you know, oh, uh, you know, society is uh, collapsing and it's a, it's a piece of crap right now. And, you know, it's, you know, we don't have literal zombies, but I'm still not going to rule that out. <laughs> you know, it's like the year is, we're only about halfway through. It's like, we, we could have those literal zombies by the end at the pace that we're going. Um, so yeah, The Last of Us 2 is great for all kinds of reasons, but, you know, it's, it's immensely popular, so it doesn't need uh, any recommendations from my point of view. But yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, Slay the Spire, Last of Us 2, and... Deep Space Nine are all places that I've been going recently when I when I need to unwind at the end of the day kind of thing. I feel like you listened to our forecast episode. We feel like it's probably the first potential cure that's going to turn us into, you know, vis-a-vis The Walking Dead and so on. I have my teenagers watching The Walking Dead just to prepare for what may or may not occur and how to handle themselves. So Yeah, yeah. When, when people get desperate, you know, we're seeing that this year. It's like, okay, well, toilet paper's the first thing gone. Nobody, no one saw that coming. It's like, all right, you know, it's back now, I'm pretty sure, and, you know, regular supply, but it's like... I've stopped using for so long, I don't even know anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And also, like, what, injecting bleach straight into your body, like, yeah, let's give it a shot, maybe it'll work, right? Yeah, that's, uh, I feel bad for those people that drank bleach, thank you. So, Jason, six six hours into Last of Us 2, so you must have picked it up when it first came out. Yeah, yeah, I had it, um, I forgot that I had it pre-ordered, and I was just planning to just buy it physically the next day but I, I just me? I, okay. I, I, he's, so, he's making fun of me because before hold on, we start hold on, what hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh. so you're you're a busy guy jason you know work and you can't care of family and stuff like that but you still find time to, to relax and all that and we're talking about how busy everybody is hey matt how far into last of us two are you because i know now uh <laughs> just a little over 21 hours oh nice yeah, yeah, well, and, and it's 21 hours and you haven't beaten it yet. The game is that long. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm I, so glad. I want that to last forever. It's great. 
I OCD. I mean, I'm I'm always like looting every single cupboard and drawer and whatnot. But yeah, I'm I think I'm like 21 hours and 20 minutes or something was my last save. And it, look, I, I I rarely do I buy a game on release date, but this was one where I wanted to get it and get through it because I know what's going to happen is I'm going to stumble across spoilers or somebody's going to ruin it for me online. So I had to I had to get into it quick. So. You you shut up over there making fun of me because I'm <laughs> playing a game for once in my life. Yeah, I've also got some anxiety that someone's going to spoil something, and I kind of need to plow through it as quickly as possible. I've already gotten past a few points where I'm like, oh, that could have been spoiled. I'm glad I got past that with uh, with, with, with fresh eyes. So yeah, it's uh, oh, it's it's really good. I like it a lot. It's uh, it's one good thing to come out of this year. That's for sure. There also, Adam, how many things? hours of League of Legends have you put in? Don't hey. even don't don't come at me. <laughs> I don't deny it. All right. Okay. If I wasn't running a Kickstarter, I might be going, and it wasn't a pandemic, I would probably, uh, 20, 21 hours is a reasonable place where I could be with that too. Yeah. So we've got uh, a little bit of time left. We, uh, I've devised a bit of a speed round here. Not so much, uh, you know, like that, but, you know, I got a list of questions here. We're going to go through relatively quickly, mostly yes or no, A or B kind of, answers here so are you ready sir absolutely bring it favorite cartoon as a kid growing up Ooh, um i'm gonna i'm gonna answer 11 year old me but also six year old me i'm gonna give two answers is that all right that's fine go with your gut what do you got all right it's the 80s okay all right teddy ruxpin everybody remembers that talking doll yeah the cartoon though was actually really ahead of its time for what it needed to be for a cartoon that was basically just there to sell a doll. So T Teddy Ruxpin, the cartoon, had this incredible mythology and like serialized episodes. So it's like one cartoon would lead into another. And six-year-old me was like, whoa, I remember that because I watched it last week. And they're still ripping on that. And it's like cartoons didn't do that. So it kind of instilled in me this like mythology kind of... Uh, kind of thought process for cartoons and that really like amazed me and you know it was you know a, a show for you know young kids but it was still very much like a fantasy kind of show so didn't they like, have like an airship yeah yeah there were, there were airships which is crazy that, yeah but you know they didn't have weapons they weren't like you know shooting arrows and using swords but they were like using slingshots to like you know shoot you know root stew into the enemy's eyes and things like that and like it was uh you know it, it was really charming and clever and, and i really liked that a lot and uh you know had like a science element to it you know newton gimmick was this inventor that was making like shrinking rays and you know all these all these crazy devices every week and i really like that um and uh that, that voice actor apparently uh, uh lives near me and i've got like a mutual convention friend that's like oh i've got to introduce you to to john stalker sometime and it's like oh i'd love to meet the guy and uh so that's uh so so teddy ruxpin is one of them um but then 90s it's like i'm tempted to say batman the animated series but i love 90s x-men more i i love that that cartoon was like again it was like it, i remember being that age and it's like it's more than what i thought a cartoon could be also serialized, but it was also kind of dark a little bit, you know, like characters could die in that show, you know, and they were careful about it, but, you know, it could happen. Um, and the animation was great. The characters were great. The voice acting was great. Like th those first two seasons, particularly, I think were almost perfect. Um, and they still did great stuff after that, but it kind of uh, ended up being a little more kind of, you know, one and done episodes more often. Um, but yeah, 90s X-Men I thought was great. And that, um, that really got me into comics too. And I think 
a lot of people were into comics in the 90s, but it was like, you know, that, that show really got me going. And there was, uh, you know, there, there were so many big ideas that came out of that. So that uh, I still look back at that very fondly. Uh, looking back now, there's a lot of like cheesy, you know, late 80s, early 90s, like melodramatic guitar riffs and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, yeah, it's a little dated in that sense, but it's like I still love all that stuff. So I, I think it's still my favorite depiction of the X-Men in any medium. I don't think anybody would argue. I mean, it's probably, I mean, besides the comics, it's probably the, yeah, it's probably the best depiction of the X-Men stories. It's certainly the most comic accurate. It's, you know, obviously compared to the films that have come out. Um, I, I'd pick the cartoon over the films. Well, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying that the cartoon I, is I just, way more, yeah. yeah. And they the, covered the everything. Like, better every, Days of Future Past, even though they're both great, but yeah. the cartoon did it like perfectly. I just I was rewatching the cartoon about two weeks ago because oh, it's wow. on Disney Plus. Oh, right on! They oh, I didn't know that. It is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool! My wife just got that for her kids, and I'm like, ah, right, we don't need another streaming service. And then, but I don't know. Uh, I watch. I watch Disney Plus more than my kids do. It's this the, all the, all the cartoons from the '90s that they uh, they own. It's uh, ridiculous how much they own and how much there's access on there for. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Disney is uh, the Galactus Cloud, just devouring. All the licenses. Except Galactus at this point, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Except Galactus. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Nintendo Wait, or did... Sega for you, Nintendo? sir? Oh, definitely Nintendo. Yeah. Um, now, now, Sega did have the better X-Men games on that topic, but uh, and definitely a Nintendo kid. Uh, specifically 94, Super Nintendo had like uh, Final Fantasy 3 slash 6. And, uh, you know, Donkey Kong Country and Mega Man X and... No, wait, that was 93. Okay. I'm a, I'm a database for this shit, but um, it's... Uh, no, I was going to say, who's going to argue with you? I'm not. I'm certainly not going to. You're uh, wrong, sir. Super Nintendo is, is still my all-time favorite system. And it, uh, you know, sprites age well. They're, they're beautiful. I, I still jump on sprite games when I see them. Uh, the, the early generations of polygons are still hideous. Uh, but it was neat that they were 3D. Um, and it's like something that I, I think people don't tend to consider with sprites versus polygons. And it's like almost everything's 3D now because it has to be. Uh, but there's a lot of great indie games coming out. And it's like with sprites, it's like you could control the entire field of view that the player is seeing. So you had more design ability. So it's like if it's, if it's 3D, oh, you can look in this corner of a room and look at this crack in the wall for 10 hours if you want. If you're designing a 2D game and you have limited scope of what the player can see, you can make sure that they're not doing dumb shit like that. You can make sure they're only doing awesome things all the time. So it's like, you know, 3D games, it allows the player to have freedom, but it's like, all right, well, a lot of us are dummies and we use that freedom for dumb stuff. It's like, uh, you know, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but it's like, in terms of like design choice, it's like you can control what the player's experiencing more accurately if it's not, you know, an unlimited freedom type of game. And, uh, you know, of course, freedom with government is good. You know, you're not going to, you're going to have people that are going to be like, well, freedom is good. What are you talking about? It's like, well, when it comes to design, not necessarily. You heard it here you first. Know. Jason Anderke is against freedom. I, I hate freedom. Freedom's the worst. Fuck freedom. Yes, there you go. I said it here. Uh, so. Uh, Exclusive. So, uh, yeah. I, I, you might have touched on this already. Uh, my follow-up would be, uh, do you have a favorite video game uh, of all time? Oh, um, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Final Fantasy 3 slash 6. Um, 
because it uh, it just had the best storytelling. Everyone loves Final Fantasy VII, and it is a great game, but six was better. And uh, particularly, it was better from a storytelling perspective, because I think I had like 17 characters that were all fleshed out in some form. They all had a great arc, but there was no main character. And when seven came out, it's like, oh, the main character's this... Uh, yeah, this spiky-haired, kind of cool-looking guy, and it's like, oh, okay, there's a main character. Well, that's not better than the previous one. And it's like, uh, I Do still it again. seven. Don't get me wrong; it's still a great game, but it's like hates six, freedom. Hates was Final Fantasy seven. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anyone's listening, whatever your favorite game is, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's uh, six is better. No, um, but no, I always thought that was cool. How it was like, you know, it's just this this epic story. There's there's Lots of great characters. There's no main character. And a game hasn't done that better since, or even attempted to do it better, from my knowledge. Um, and particularly with Final Fantasy, they keep going in directions where it's like, people hate turn-based menus. We can't do that. And it's like, no, nobody nobody said that. <laughs> it was like, one guy, and he was very I loud. Game. I, I want, I want role-playing games. I, I like how they were doing things. So... Um, Anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm old, and it's like, oh, things used to be better than they are now. It's, I still play all kinds of modern games, but the Final Fantasy games are, uh, are more hit and miss for me than, than they used to be. All right. Uh, in terms of comics, Marvel or DC? Ooh, uh, yeah, definitely Marvel, but as an adult, strangely, I got into DC more. I think when I was a kid, Marvel made me feel like these were like older, deeper themes. Uh, but then as an adult, I was more into DC, a uh, new 52 relaunch I was really into. And it was just kind of like, oh, it's okay to have things be happy and kind of idealistic for once. You know, it's, uh, you know, when you're an adult, you got problems. When you're a kid, it's like, you know, things are a little brighter. So it's, uh, you know, um, yeah, I probably side more with Marvel still, but, uh, but I did have a pretty strong DC phase. Favorite Star Wars movie? Ooh, um... Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Empire Strike, Strikes Back is the obvious answer, but I do have a, a real appreciation for just the first Star Wars movie. It's like, just just imagine if A New Hope existed on its own. Imagine if they never did anything else with it. Like, it's just this indie upstart movie, and it would basically be flawless. It's like, it wouldn't be diluted with anything that, you know, is subpar. Um, you know, it'd be up there with, like, Jaws and, you know, Jurassic Park is like the singular kind of, you know, perfect movie. Well, I guess Jurassic Park and Jaws each had sequels, but none of them were good. Yeah. Uh, at least Star Wars did have good sequels. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Empire. My favorite post-original trilogy movie, though, um, probably uh, probably Rogue One, um, because it did try something different. Um, you know, it doesn't have the, you know, any any hope to it or any of the, as much fantasy elements to it, but like as a as a dark kind of, uh, you know, gritty movie. I think it's really well made and the visuals are great. Um, and, you know, they, they didn't expect to see those characters again. So they could uh, they could do some things with them. So, um, yeah. Um, I, I like about probably half of all Star Wars movies, give or take. Yeah. So. I think we had we had Rogue One up there when we were talking. In, uh, when yeah, we were same, it's the same criteria, really. Like, you really hit the nail on the head for where we shared that conversation as well. Just it, it, it in itself, again, that could almost be a standalone film as well. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, if you took out the Vader parts, I think yeah. uh, it, it would definitely yeah. help. Who's this guy? It doesn't matter. 
Yeah, like that, that's pretty like the the part where he just goes ape shit and kills everybody in the end. It's like if that was your first Star Wars movie, that would make no sense to you at all. You're like, why is everyone cheering? Like, it's just I was following it up to a point, and then something happened, and I don't know where. Yeah, exactly. Okay, this one's probably going to be maybe harder for you. Favorite Star Trek movie? Oh, um, hmm. uh. Yeah, Rathacon or Star Trek Six. Um, I really like Star Trek Three. That's not one you hear as often, but no, I'll just say Wrath of Khan because I personally like it, and it's kind of got the zeitgeist behind it, where it's like, yeah, it's a great film. Uh, there's also a director's edition that came out like maybe five years ago or something. That's really minor, but it's like if you've seen the movie a hundred times, it's like, ah, they fixed that. Uh... Okay, so there was. There was a prop error where you could see like the paint on the stairs or like an error on some physical stairs that they made that had been fixed. But when they released the director's cut, they forgot to fix it again. So it was like the error was back. So I was like, yeah, I guess it's going to have to be Wrath of Khan because I'm uh, I love it. and I'm a nerd about it. So it's going to be like Blade Runner where there's like eight different versions of it just to fix previous problems. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that new Blade Runner, though, that was a good movie. As somebody who has done, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what number we're at now with your drinking quest games. What would be your favorite drink or beer or both? Maybe your favorite drink is beer. I don't. Go ahead. Um, I, I like beer when it's draft and I'm in a social setting, but otherwise I'm not a big beer guy. Um, so my drink of choice is usually uh, some kind of whiskey and just Diet Coke because I'm in my 30s and I don't need the sugar. Um and and I'm not I'm not hard enough to sit there drinking straight whiskey all the time, um, so it's kind of kind of a non exciting drink. But I gave it a, I started calling it an anarchy's fist, just to make it sound really tough and hardcore. And so someone's like, "Oh, what are you drinking?" I was like, "Oh, I'm drinking an anarchy's fist." And then you know, if they're brave enough to ask after that, then I'll tell them that's just whiskey and diet coke. <laughs> but that's uh, you know, it's a nice practical mix. You can make it in almost any setting, um, and uh, it always tastes good. So sweet. Okay, I've only got a couple more here. Uh, is there one property from your childhood that you'd want to see a sequel, a reboot, or a remake uh, made that hasn't been made? Oh, oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, Teddy Ruxpin, man. Bring it back. I felt like it was going bring, there. Bring it back and continue fleshing out that lore. And, you know, it, make, make it a gritty reboot if you have to, you know. Teddy, you know, it opens, you know, Teddy Ruxpin's got blood on his hands. And he is this to, live action or what is this? Mystery or something like that. And uh, uh, no, no, with all sincerity, you know, it's like they they had some good uh, lore and mythology there, even though it was a kid show. And I feel like, you know, they could make another great kid show with it or they could make, you know, something that's, you know, for older audiences. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I never thought about bringing, you know, anybody bringing that back before. But that's, that's totally something that... Uh, they, they would have a lot to work with. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, what, Masters of the Universe is coming back on Netflix? And it's, as oh, far yeah. as I know, it's a sequel season, right? Like, it's carrying on from the original. Is that right, Adam? I think, That's yes. the plan, yeah. yeah. Kevin Smith has taken it in a whole new direction with a whole what, Kevin slew. Kevin Smith is doing it? I didn't know that. A whole slew of writers, yeah. Oh, Mark Bernardin's writing episodes as well with them, and there's a few other guys, a few other folks that are taking part. He's got a, basically a different writer each episode. Oh, Isn't, I, I and love Mark this. Hamill's voicing somebody, right? Yeah, 
yeah, Mark Hamill. Um, the the cast, yeah, it's worth taking a look, folks. If you're really into the connection of this, the the people he's got in voicing, uh, Lena Headey's in there. Um, cool. He, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head that it's it's a really diverse uh, lineup of uh, voice actors he's got in there. Cool. That's awesome. I'll check that out for sure. This I don't know if you can answer. Who am I kidding? I know I already know the answer to this. Favorite <laughs> tabletop or board game. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when we traveled together, I would not shut the fuck up about how much I love Milton Bradley's Hero Quest. And then uh, J- Jason Poland that we were with is also a Hero Quest mega fan. So, uh, Matt, I apologize if you were just in the middle of just so much over-the-top geeky Hero Quest love. Um, and I think there was like a rights issue where two separate companies own the rights. And so basically, we'll never get another official version of that. But the spirit of Hero Quest at least lives on. I try and recapture some of those moments or elements in uh like the drinking quest games and you know other games i've done that there's it's just it's the template for everything i love about games basically um and so yeah i i i own multiple copies just in case one of them gets damaged like they'll they'll never print another one um but yeah you look on ebay and it's like those games are not cheap so if i if i ever needed to i could flip those but it's uh definitely hero quest it was um like i love dungeons and dragons but it's like i was I, I think Hero Quest had a better balance of, um, let, let's see, you know, things that you have to know, but then also reward that you get out of it. You know, with Dungeons and Dragons, it's a literal textbook, but with Hero Quest, it's you know, it, it was pretty simple for that type of dungeon crawler kind of game. Um, so yeah, I um, yeah, that, that's definitely my all-time favorite. Um, I also liked Fireball Island, the original that was very popular. The new version of Fireball Island is uh, is also really good, and I, I like both versions a lot. So, um, yeah, th- those are just favorite games from my childhood. That uh, yeah, it'll be tough for anything to, to ever beat those for me. I think. I will say from the outside uh, of all of this, I have two quick points. When uh, other Jason, uh, he traveled to meet us in uh, San Antonio for PAX, and he had a suitcase that he opened up and you would have thought he was shipping china glassware in it it was so carefully packaged and he opens it up and out comes this hero quest game and i've never seen something so like you would i i can't even describe how brittle you would have thought the game must have been uh so the respect alone uh between these two for this game and then so we played it uh, both at the booth, I mean, after, you know, hours sort of thing, as well as in the hotel lobby. And I shit you not, the people that would come up and it was like they saw the Holy Grail. Like they were like, oh, my God, is that your? Oh, actually, it wasn't even so much the, the base game. It was the expansion. Uh, the Was it the elf expansion? that? We yeah, had? yeah. Not only were we playing Hero Quest, this like Holy Grail of games. But we were playing uh, one of the rarest expansions, if not the rarest. And then be like, yeah, it's Hero Quest and it's the Elf expansion. And PAX is a setting where you can say that with full confidence, like you won't be judged. You know, it's like, it's the Elf expansion, you know, with no irony and just be completely enthusiastic about it. Uh, you, you know, any other time and place, it would be like, oh, just this geeky game I'm playing, you know. <laughs> you know, it's uh... that's ex- actually it's exactly true, because at first my 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 back would tighten up because that's what I expected. You know, people come over and like, Oh, what's this? And you're like, Oh, it's, you know, it's a board game. No, no, no. He's like, 
holy shit, is that the, you know, European version of this and that? And then everybody would specifically like hold their drinks to the side or their food. They were so worried about ruining anything. I've never seen anything like it in my life. So yeah, it was yeah, something I, to behold. Well, we were in the lobby of this hotel and we're all in our pajama plant or pajama pants playing Hero Quest. And like in a group, like the 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 head of games at Kickstarter walks up, and you know Patrick, leader of Leader Games, like the head of Lay Waste Games, they all walk up, like what are you doing? Like playing Hero Quest, you know? Hey, check it out! And it was like that. That's the magic of conventions, where it's like you get these people that have created things or been involved in these great things being created, and you're celebrating, you know, these things that influenced you, and it's like. Um, like, like traveling, like I, I do about 15 to 20 conventions a year in a normal year. And it's like, you know, that that's, it's those magic moments that make it all worthwhile. Like it's a lot of work and it's hard to be away from home, but it's like you're, you're around people that are kind of sharing that love for those, those geeky things that you like. So, um, you know, I think in isolation times, you know, we're all, we're all coping with it. We're finding different ways and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, by the end of it, we'll, we'll have grown in ways that, uh, you know, make us all better. But it's like, uh, you know, there's there's nothing that really comes close to that. You know, being surrounded by geeks all weekend, uh, you know, packs or whatever given convention it is. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I I love that stuff. It's great. So, Adam, I just asked like 10 questions in a row. Did you have uh, any yourself? I didn't mean well, to actually uh, just the last... cut you out. No, no, no. I appreciate it. You're, you're lightning round, bud. I appreciate this so much. But uh, the last question that we we have for you in this in this uh, speed round is if you could only do one convention a year, you know, you talk about how many you travel and how many you've, you've been to over the years, but if you can only do one a year, is there one you could pick out and make that the core? Well, one cop out could be uh, Auckland Armageddon in New Zealand. That way I'd get to go to the Shire every year, uh, which uh, I, I did that once and I was supposed to go a second time this year, but then COVID stopped it. Now, strangely, the convention is happening. New Zealand's fine. Yeah, but that's right. Yeah. But if you fly here, you're going to have to quarantine for two weeks. Yeah. And it's like, I can get away with leaving home for enough time to work that con and go to the Shire, but I can't get away enough to add two weeks onto that. Um, so, uh, but probably, probably my best convention all around. And there's a lot of good ones. I'm not saying other conventions are bad if I'm saying this one's my favorite, but uh, de definitely PAX East. Um, I have more insane, amazing stories out of that show than any other show. Um, and don't get me wrong, I've, I've got some crazy things that have happened to me traveling for shows, but PAX East is just the, the, the most insane, yeah, it's, you know, I can drive there, so there's always road trip stories, um, you know, it's uh, it's four days, so it's a little longer, uh, Boston's a cool place to visit, um, so probably PAX East, PAX South, Gen Con, those are probably my top three, I'd have to say, so. So Jason Anarchy is against Freedom. <clears throat> any convention that's not PAX East. What what else did we say again? I, yeah, oh, Final yeah. Fantasy VII's garbage. Yeah, uh, what yeah. Are, <laughs> these are all facts that we've learned today. The, the, yeah, this is, all, they all happened. Yes, this is how the world works now, right? So it's not what you say; it's your what you didn't say is what's against you. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, I, I. So, what reason will I be canceled for tomorrow? Probably <laughs> Final Fantasy VII. That's going to yeah. be <laughs> out of all that. That's, that's the, the thing one most yeah. issue with. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this is maybe a loaded question, but, uh, what's next? I mean, you've obviously got this Kickstarter going. Do you have anything else in the pipeline 
that's even at a point that you can even talk about or is it uh, mostly just focused on your friend is sad and that's pretty much it at the moment um yeah oh man uh no nothing i guess i can talk about in particular for new projects except i absolutely am working on a lot of new projects so the uh ideas are the easy part um but you know what you can reasonably execute and put into the world is uh you know, like I could maybe do one or two games a year kind of thing, uh, you know, may, maybe three if I tried really hard. But it's, um, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff that's, that's not public at the moment. Um, you know, expect more sword and sorcery humor, um, probably more drinking quest, probably other sword and sorcery stuff that's not drinking quest, and probably more webcomic team ups. So that's uh, anything I do will almost always be funny, though. I can't. Uh, really picture myself doing a serious game um and it's just that that's just the root of game design I, you know i remember just being a kid making games for people in the neighborhood everyone would come over they'd always play these games no matter what and as an adult you can't get play testers that easily so it's like i, I never thought this was you know real world experience um but it was like uh you know i i would always just make these games and try and make people laugh so those are the the two things i think i'm good at so i want to keep doing that Right on. You want to wrap us up here, uh, Adam? So where can everybody find you, Jason? Oh, uh, jasonanarchygames.com. It's, uh, it's got all my games on there. It's got all the links to all the social media and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, contact information's on there if anyone has any questions or uh, anything they want to follow up with from, uh, from what they've heard. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. I mean, uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago we getting you back on. I know you're, you're keen to then, and we were just trying to line everything up. So really appreciate the time. Love having you on. You are officially our highest returning guest and I think highest viewed guest. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, have me on again in a year or two if you want. And, uh, you know, if you see me tweeting about some new thing I'm doing, I'm, uh, I'm happy to chat about that too. Right on. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, everybody go check out Your Friend is Sad on Kickstarter. It's up for at least another, what do we got, a couple, couple weeks left still, I think. Yeah, I think uh, 12, 13 days, something like that now. Right on. So friendisad.com, it'll take you right there. Cool. All right, thank you, Jason. And we will uh, talk to you again later. All right, cheers. Thank you. Cheers, bud. Bye. All right. Well, that was Jason Anarchy and his talking about his new game, Your Friend is Sad, and a lot of other things. As per usual, these things go way longer than we were expecting. <laughs> I, I love when that guy comes on the show. It's uh, We all of a sudden become like professional podcasters. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Professional. We're professional. Well, we just We're... lose it the second the guest is gone. It's just you and I again. Yeah, I mean, I got nothing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, listen, we were going to get into some topics. We were talking about it. and uh, But Jason just uh, spent so much time with us, uh, gave us some great content. So it's always a pleasure to have him on, always into some cool things. And it's remarkable how much of our generation uh, really is you know, based uh, in some of those core, consistent uh, influences from our childhood. You know, when he was talking about Teddy Ruxpin, I remember that show. I remember so much about that show. It caught me off guard. And then secondly, when he talked about the X-Men, I'm laughing because I was rewatching it a few weeks ago and like, it still holds up. Um, I mean, I, I can't think of the last time anybody's mentioned Teddy Ruxpin, but yeah, like you you mentioned it, you're like, yeah, I remember there was the airship. I remember his, his friends and, and his... Yeah. Yeah, and and it's not even like it's streaming anywhere. That's just from memory. Yeah, well, that's you know, again, Jason's a pretty smart guy. Let's be fair. Uh, 
and his ability to tie those deeper themes together, hence, hence is probably why he's able to create things like tabletop games and be successful with them is tying really large things together with intricate details is certainly challenging. And, you know, to remember that kind of stuff about that show, as soon as he said it to me, I went, crap, yeah, it is, but that's not my memory. That's not how my brain works. So shows how much it takes to, to d- delve into that world, right? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't know how to even follow up from that. Again, that's the problem when we have guests on here is uh, then we have nothing left to say. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, all we've got left to say is um, continue to support local, as I have been. If you saw in our uh, social media, I continue to uh, endorse Chronicle Brewery locally here in town. Uh, pretty hardcore. I'm, for Father's Day, I'm uh, rocking a Chronicle Brewery t-shirt there. I'm pretty happy about in fact, they were sold out of their, their hats because I really wanted a hat because I'm, I'm bald. So... Uh, but they were sold out of the hats, and uh, Father's Day looked like it was pretty successful down there. So grab some Tales from the Crypt today, which uh, is like a black currant sour. Love that stuff. And uh, I didn't feel like engaging conversation longer, but I probably should have because that brewery rocks, man. It's the first time I've actually been there. You know, if there's everything else uh, through online or drink a lot at your house. So uh, yes, it was cool to go down and actually see, see the space. And, uh, you know, they are open daily, and they had it beautifully set up to walk in. Pick what I wanted. I didn't have to go more than three feet inside the door. Everything's right there for me. So if you're worried about all the conditions and things inside of uh, stores, which some stores feel like they are treating the pandemic realistic, like Chronicle, making sure everybody stay home safe. And some stores I walked into, I'm not sure they think there's a pandemic at all. So it's a real mix. So, well, that's, I mean, that's that's a that's an actual really good point because I have that kind of lingering fear now that I'm like, if I go into this business, A, I don't want to go like into a place and get like trapped and like have that feeling like, okay, there's too many people in here or they haven't laid things out properly. So it's good to hear that they've got, uh, you know, things safe. And, and I have heard that, that, yeah, they'll, they'll grab the beers for you. Just oh, tell them even the merch. And, you walked yeah. in and they had like, they had the lineup, all the cans, whatever was in the fridge was there for you. So you just pick from the cans. So you just pick the cans, they order it. The tap thing was already out. Just had to put my card down where you go. And then all the merch was like off to the side. You could see it all on display. And they took the time to write little signs and let you know what the price was for the merch. And, you know, it was all there. It's so great. So if you don't see it on the website, which is there, if not, you walk in, they have stuff actually physically laid out. So, and wearing the shirt, I'm just going to tell you, it fits pretty good in the sense that it's a true size. So whatever you are for, you know, a t-shirt, you know, medium, large, extra large, whatever, it fits like a, you know, reliable size. It doesn't fit tight, doesn't fit small, big or anything like that. So anyways, because that's always a fear too when you buy stuff that, hate to say it, but when, you know, um, these smaller based businesses are getting into their own merchandise and they have to use different supply chains, it's, it sometimes feels like a gamble, but this is a really nice quality shirt and I'm super excited about trying to grab the hat, but I'll grab it later. So, but speaking of giving pumping tires as well, as we talk local, I mean, we cannot forget our one and only sponsor, Deadly Grounds Coffee, which is at deadlygroundscoffee.ca. We discovered last episode. Yeah. Dan, what's the promo code? Uh, happy Zen at checkout. That's right. 15% off your order and free shipping over 80 bucks. Uh, actually, if you are local, if you're in the Durham region, I believe uh, the free shipping is significantly less. It's just, just if they have to ship out of uh, out of region. But again, 80 bucks, that's stock you up for like, you know, four or six months. No problem. Right on. Well, that was uh, awesome. And we will have all of Jason's social media, all his Kickstarter information on the website, uh, as well as our own, which is 
Happy Zen Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Still not verified. And we are the Happy Zen Podcast on Facebook. And happyzen.com is the website. Yeah, check out that Kickstarter campaign. The images for life had me laughing, and I didn't want to laugh during the podcast, but they were freaking hilarious. That game looks a lot of fun. And if it's anything based on the mechanics we've played on his other games, it's a guaranteed hit. Yeah, and I've honestly got to the point now where I just buy all his Kickstarter things. So at this point, actually, and I do it of pretty much any of our guests that we have uh, had on that have Kickstarters. So the next year, I'm going to have like a new product almost every month. I think I've got like three Jason Anarchy products coming. I've got uh, Peter Tchaikovsky. I've got some Ember Wind stuff coming at some point. It's going to be a good year. And we will review this stuff as it comes in uh, for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. Listen, right. everyone be safe out there. And thanks for the, uh, hanging through the episode. All right. Until next time, we're out. <laughs>